Hello and welcome to the 46th episode of the Jaguar Report. Your boy is riding solo today while my co-host Gus Logue is out of town on vacation and he picked a good time because starting on Wednesday, everybody's lives are basically collectively over as we move into training camp. The Jaguars have already had players start reporting. You know, they posted a video of Trevor Lawrence reporting today. They will officially have their first training camp practice on the 26th. So just a few days away until the Jaguars are officially back on the field. The 2023 season really begins. But luckily for the Jaguars, you know, there have definitely been some training camps in the past where they haven't exactly entered with the best momentum in terms of just, you know, positive vibes, etc. They definitely have those right now. You know, the, the last week has definitely brought a lot of positives to Jacksonville, especially last, you know, re- really since Sunday. So we, we'll make sure to break down the two biggest moves in this week's episode. And, of course, that's headlined by Evan Ingram. He signed a three-year contract with the Jaguars, a three-year extension after he got franchise tagged. So it's three years, $41.25 million with $24 million guaranteed. And I think it is one of the smartest things that Jaguars could have done after seeing how the contract really fleshed out for a number of reasons. I, I you know, earlier in the offseason, you know, especially close to the franchise tag deadline, the original one for players to be tagged, I was honestly semi surprised that Ingram got tagged because there was a lot of rumors and traction that he was going to, you know, get a long term deal before the franchise tag. And, and the length at the time, that at least I heard on my end then was a four-year deal. So this deal looks a little different than I thought it would, which has kind of changed my opinion on, you know, the ultimate decision to extend Ingram. I, I, I can honestly say I was probably firmly on the fence, maybe 55, extend him 45%, keep him on the tag just because, you know, they have so many players coming up in the next couple of years, you know, Tyson Campbell, Andre Cisco. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, and then you have Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley to figure out, etc. That I wasn't sure if keeping a tight end on a long-term deal, even a tight end who was as productive as Ingram was last year, and he was very productive. You know, he was one of the best tight ends in the entire NFL at yards after the catch. He was used more like a quasi, you know, slot receiver. He did do some inline stuff. The Jaguars think that he's a better blocker than a lot of people, you know, really seem to. But let's see, he in, he ended the year with, you know, really a career season. He had caught 73 passes for 766 yards, four touchdowns, had 12 catches for 124 yards and a touchdown in the playoffs, including a big-time touchdown against the Chargers in the wildcard round. He ranked among the top four in tight ends in terms of yard after the catch with 475. So that's over half his yards came after the catch. And really, I, I think when you look at how his extension is set out, it's essentially a two-year deal. So his cap hit for this year is $5 million. His cap hit for next year is $7 million. And then in 225, you know, his cap hit, goes all the way up to 19.75 million. Uh, he'd have a dead cap of 13 
you know, in a, in a half million. So if they ended up releasing him in the third year, they would take on that, you know, 13 and a half and dead cap, but they'd save about 6.25 million. But for the first two years, he's really not, you know, costing them a lot on their books. You know, just in terms of the general cap space. I mean, a cap hit of really 12 million over the next two seasons is not bad for a guy who was one of the most productive tight ends in the NFL last year. And the reason why I think this deal was so smart is you look at it. So say he played on the franchise tag this year, that would have been a guaranteed, you know, 11.345 million dollars. If, you know, say he has another good year, they go through another offseason where, you know, they don't want him to play anywhere else. That was like the case with him this offseason. When I went to the Combine in Indianapolis and, you know, I would talk to people out, you know, in the town at restaurants and bars and stuff, people in the league, nobody, and this is right around when teams are gearing up for free agency and really doing their scouting, nobody was expecting him to be a free agent. Yeah, it, it was known that the Jaguars were either going to sign him or franchise that. He was not going to test free agency. And I really feel like if he had played on a tag this year, it would have been similar next year that they likely would have double tagged him, maybe tag him again, try to extend him like they did with Cam Robinson. But that's not the case, of course. And the reason why I think it was so smart, so he gets the guaranteed you know, money this year and then $24 million guaranteed. That's basically... You know, like how I said, it was a two-year deal. The franchise tag for tight ends next year will be right around thirteen million. So basically, eleven million plus thirteen million would be guaranteed if he played two years on the franchise tag over twenty-four million. He gets that with this contract, and the thing is, he gets more security because the reason players hate the franchise tag, even though it is a nice, you know, lump sum for one year, is that there is zero security whatsoever in it. And football is a sport where you need your security. And Evan Ingram knows that. All players who are franchise tag know that. So, I mean, if you ask a player if they'd rather sign this deal or be franchise tag twice, you know, the money comes out just about equally the way. They're going to say, take the deal 10 times out of 10. Just because it gives them that security and also gives them that potential third year. You know, so it really seems like that the Jaguars were smart with this contract. You know, they... He, they didn't, you know, overset the market or anything like that. It wasn't a deal that really moved terms for future tight end contracts, but it was a deal that showed, you know, the Jaguars have an understanding that, you know, Ingham is somebody they're probably going to need for the next couple of years. So I, I think it was a smart signing from that sense. You know, I think Ingram can only be better this year, you know, another year in the system, another year of Trevor Lawrence. And, and another reason I think the signing was smart was because of the message that it sends to the locker room, which I think is extremely important. And, you know, there are probably some football analysts and writers out there who would say you don't pay for a locker room impact. But I would challenge, you know, whether they've been in the locker room because locker rooms notice who gets paid. You know, locker rooms, when a guy gets paid that, you know, maybe isn't the hardest worker on the team, which the Jaguars have done. You know, in past years, especially that I've been on the beat, I can think of a few examples from 2019, 2020, off the top of my head. Players notice that. And players notice who's getting paid and who's not and how franchises are rewarding efforts. So for the Jaguars locker room to see the Jaguars reward a guy 
after his productive season, who was one of the hardest workers on the team, is a respected veteran in the locker room, somebody who did all the things right, somebody who came in, helped establish the culture for that offense, and somebody who had so many moments during the season that you could point to that showed that he was that, you know, kind of really tough-nosed veteran who, you know, like he is their lunchbox, you know, bring his, brings his lunchbox to work type guy, brings his hard hat. He is that guy for the Jaguars offense. So when the locker room sees that guy get awarded, especially after the franchise didn't have to, like the Jaguars had all the leverage here. They could have just kept him tagged. They're like, they didn't, it wasn't necessary for them to do this. So I think when a locker room sees that it's just good business, it creates good energy in the building and it shows your players that, you know, they do things the right way. They will get rewarded for it. And there was a question in Jacksonville a few years ago if that was the case. I, mean, I, I remember distinctly when Yannick Ngakwe was trying to get a new contract in 2019, how many players were confused by the franchise's lack of desire to I, – I wouldn't say to pay him, but – you know, to pay him what he was asking because he did end up, you know, getting overpaid for what he was. But there were a lot of players who were upset with the Jaguars not signing him, and they were upset that the money was going to other guys. So players notice this, you know, and they'll say, if you're not signing this guy who literally does everything right, never gets in trouble, you know, is respected on and off the field, then are you really going to pay me? Like, players see these things. So I think it was smart to sign Ingram to that extent because – I mean, he's earned it on the field, but he's also earned it off the field. And the last part about the Ingram deal that I think is important just in, you know, the grand scheme of things for the Jaguars is the impact it could have on the Brendan Strange pick. You know, I mean, there, there are a lot of people, you know, asking why the Jaguars selected Brendan Strange in the second round if – you know, their plan was to resign and extend Evan Ingram. You know, when he got drafted, you know, I saw plenty of national analysts say, oh, this has to do with Evan Ingram being on the franchise tag. Evan Ingram's only there for one year when we know that was never the case. The Jaguars have been trying to resign Ingram literally all offseason, you know, before the draft, after the draft. So the strange pick never made any impact for them there. But the reason why, you know, you, you'll see a lot of people criticize them for selecting Strange when they just paid Ingram. And it is similar to, you know, and myself personally, I've criticized them a lot for the Walker Little pick for picking him when they had just made investments in Cam Robinson. You know, obviously, Jawan Taylor was entering the third year of his deal. I think the situation is a little different because I thought Walker Little then was ready to step in and play. I don't necessarily think that about Brendan Strange. And the beauty of keeping Ingram is for at least the next two years, they don't need Brendan Strange. And that is a good thing for him. They obviously he'll get his chances. He can, you know, step in and produce in some kind of role. I really think that they're going to use him a lot as a blocker from you know, the H-back alignment, you know, really as a sniffer, do some zone split stuff, really get him blocking in space. 
I don't think after watching him this offseason and knowing the curve that it takes with tight ends, I mean, just look at Evan Ingram himself. You know, it took until his sixth season for him to really, you know, turn things around. And obviously where he was drafted and who he played for and his quarterbacks before were all a part of that. But tight ends not an easy position to play. It is one of the hardest positions to develop at in the entire NFL. There's a reason most rookie tight ends simply do not produce. And it takes you a couple of years to get something out of them. Like Luke Farrell, it seems like is primed right now to finally step into a contributor role. And he's entering his third season. So I think that kind of developmental track is standard for a tight end position for those first couple of years to maybe be a bit, you know, touch and go. So I think Strange and his skill set, it's a good thing for him that Ingram is here for at very least the next two years, potentially the next three. You know, who knows beyond that? Because it means he won't be thrown to the Wolves. The Jaguars have done it plenty of times before where, you know, they've put highly drafted rookies who weren't ready to play into big roles early on and they struggled. That's not to say I think that's what would happen with Strange, but I, I do think I have to watch him in the offseason. I do think he needs time. And I would have said that before watching him this offseason just because he's a young tight end. But especially after watching him, like the talent's there, the athletic traits are there, but he just needs time to develop. I don't think he would have been ready for a big role this year, which obviously if Ingram was tagged, that wouldn't have been a problem. But it would have been a big question. I think one of the biggest questions on offense entering 2024. But that's now a question that's now answered. You know, thanks to Ingram. So because of Ingram, they won't have to just throw Strange in there when he's maybe not necessarily ready. So I honestly think this is probably the best thing that could have happened to Strange and his overall development. I think that, that like, I'm, I'm trying to think out of word. Like, it's fair, I think, to criticize the Jaguars or drafting a guy in a second round who you know might not be ready for a couple years and who early on will likely just be you know an h-back blocker type i completely understand that but i think anybody who's saying well, why this guy what get drafted in the second round they're just going to extend you know evan ingram the veteran there i personally feel like that's looking at it you know the wrong way i i, I feel like you know, strange or somebody who they always knew would take a little bit to develop. So, I mean, best case scenario, maybe you get Ingram, you know, his next two years goes out there and produces. And maybe after 2024, you know, they feel about strange, kind of like how they do, like with Farrell now. Like they think Farrell's prime for a big season. That he's ready to go. You know, maybe after a couple of seasons, you know, maybe they'll have uh, that confidence in him. So, that's not to say they don't have the confidence in him now. That's me, you know really just not even assuming that's just my own personal take on things and you know personal i guess you'd say spin on things but i think the ingram deal was a good thing for britain strange and i think the ingram deal was a good move by the jaguars i was surprised by it just because of the timing you know deadlines always burn action but i i, I just i really thought the time had run out and that you know they he was going to have to play on the tag. It, it was obviously something neither side wanted to happen, but I just thought, you know, 
picks two tango <laughs> like i thought yeah if it was if it didn't happen for weeks and weeks beforehand i wasn't expecting it to happen so i was surprised when i saw the report come out on sunday but i i think it's a good move for the jaguars it's good for evan ingram who betted on himself last year with a one-year contract he ends up you know getting nearly 25 million in guarantees for it i i think it was a good move for all sides so that concludes us with our spiel on Evan Ingram. We're going to take a minute to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back to break down the other signing the Jaguars have made this week. The other move the Jaguars made this week to, you know, really hammer home some of that positivity was the signing of veteran defense alignment, DeWan Smoot. Uh, Smoot is somebody who the Jaguars have really been tied to for really the entirety of the offseason. You know, there are a lot of reasons why he had gone, you know, unsigned to this point. But the primary one was obviously his Achilles injury. So, you know, just real quick, he signed a one-year contract with the Jaguars. It's, you know, $6.25 million max, but has $3.25 million guaranteed. You know, people are probably wondering about that guarantee number since considering his Achilles injury. I mean, he, he comes in a lower guaranteed number this year than Caleb on Chason and Tyler Shatley. So it's not like, you know, he's getting paid, you know, incredible amount. It seems like the Jaguars would expect him to be back on the field by sometime in October. So missed the first month of the season, probably the first five to six games. Now, it's not like James Robinson, who was a starting running back in week one last year. You know, Smoot definitely would miss probably the first quarter of the season or so after his Achilles injury against the Jets last year. And it's important to remember, if he didn't get hurt against the Jets, he would have got paid this offseason. You know, some of that money that went to Devon Hamilton and Will Robson Harris would have went his way. He he probably lost close to 15 to 20 million dollars in guarantees because of that injury on MetLife Stadium turf. And, yeah, at the time of his injury, he was second on team in pressures, fourth in quarterback hits, first in sacks, and second in pass rusher in weight. You know, he, he he was basically their second most efficient pass rusher on a snap-to-snap basis with Arden Key. And between the two of them and Josh Allen, the Jaguars had three guys who were grading out pretty good in terms of, you know, pressure metrics. That obviously changes a bit entering, you know, 2023. You know, Arden Key's gone, signed that big deal with the Titans. And Smoot, he's a question mark. I mean, he is. Uh, his rehab, you know, from all indications, has been really strong. It's gone good. He's supposed to be in really good shape right now. But, I mean, Achilles injury is an Achilles injury. You know, it's hard to get back from that, especially – you know, one of his big things is his defense alignment is his first step and his overall get off. And it's hard to think that isn't somewhat affected by the injury. And the injury really is why, you know, he had gone unsigned to this point because the Jaguars were in plenty of contact with him throughout the offseason. Plenty of contact. He visited, you know, several times. Uh, the Jaguars had, you know, talked with him. They know, you know, about his medical records and, you know, they also know how he'll attack his rehab, his attitude toward it, obviously. He'll know the trainers, you know, the people who are working on him when he does a training camp. So there's a lot of familiarity there. 
So the, the Jaguars know as well as anybody, you know, how he's doing in terms of his recovery and when he'll be back. So the fact that they expect him to be back sometime in October, you know, tells you how comfortable they feel with his signing. And I do think once he's cleared, you know, he's going to go right out there because you know, he, he's been one of the key leaders for their team for really, you know, years now. You know, over the past six years, he has 22 and a half sacks. 27 tackles for loss, four forced fumbles. He's appeared in 90 games. Uh, he's played inside. He's played outside. You know, he developed from initially a disappointing third-round pick to one of the more critical pieces of the pass rush rotation. And, you know, just like Ingram, when we talked about the value to a locker room when you sign back the right guys and the guys who set a good example on and off the field – I think Smoot plays into that just as much as England does. I mean, Smoot's one of the most respected players in that locker room by players, by coaches, by staff members. Bringing Smoot back is an excellent morale boost. It's just, I believe it's a fair question of whether it's more of a boost on paper in terms of, you know, general energy and vibes than it is on the field. Because, you know, a, a, a of course, you know, missing the first month at least of the season, maybe more. But the thing with his pass rush is he was never a pass rusher whose game was about mobility. You know, like he was he's obviously a good athlete, but he's a strength and power guy. Yeah, maybe quickness, especially with his hands. But he already, you know, was a, you know, he's a bigger defensive lineman, you know, edge type player. So he already struggled against mobile quarterbacks. And that's really my concern is how is his mobility now? If it already wasn't great to begin with, how is it now after the injury? But the Jaguars kind of had the biggest move. I mean, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think Justin Houston makes a lot of sense for the Jaguars. You know, he's a veteran guy. Uh, he doesn't need to play, you know, base down. So he can chase a ring. Uh, he's played for Bob Sutton. He's been coached on the same team that Doug Peterson's been on, etc. There are a million reasons why Justin Houston makes sense. But Justin Houston has not been linked to the Jaguars once this offseason. Not once. So he makes a lot of sense on paper. It just does not seem like it's happening. Jadavion Clowney, outside of the fact that he's basically said he hates playing in a 3-4, I think you can look at his ending of his tenure with the Cleveland Browns, which really, you know, came as a culmination of him being upset with his role and, you know, letting the Browns know about it, you know, via uh, quotes to the media. I just, I, I don't see him as a Jaguar guy. And then the last guy is obviously Ngakwe. And the reason why Ngakwe isn't signed yet, and the Jaguars, you know, they have talked to him this offseason. You know, there's, I, I think interest is the wrong word because I do think they're interested in him. It's just they're not interested enough at, you know, the price he's currently talking to really, you know, make any serious overtures. But I I think overall, when you look at Ngakwe, he's somebody who, you know, he wants to be a three-down player. He wants to be a starter. I don't get the impression that he wants to be a role guy who plays as kind of your third edge rusher, you know, obviously play some rundowns, but play closer to 50% of the snaps than the amount of snaps he's been playing. Cause they're not going to sit Trayvon. They're not going to sit, you know, Josh Allen, you know, Trayvon and Josh Allen aren't going to sit. They're going to play, you know, that, that's a guaranteed. And that's why I think guys like Frank Clark and Leonard Floyd didn't sign here. So, and that aspect, 
in that respect, signing Smoot makes sense because that's all, you know, it's mostly what he's been in his career. You know, he's been that third fiddle, you know, to the starter. So he, of course, would have no issue with that role. So I, it it's odd to think that a pass rusher coming off a serious Achilles injury is one of the best fits for the Jaguars pass rush. But, I mean, that's, that's the simple truth. You know, when, when you look at the Jaguars pass rush, you know, and their potential options, you know, they're looking for depth rushers. And most guys who can make an impact as pass rushers who are looking to sign with teams right now aren't trying to be backups. That's the thing. You know, if the Jaguars are trying to sign Ngakwe as a starter, Clowney as a starter, Frank Clark, Leonard Florida starters, I think they probably they could have got that done, but they're not. And Smoot doesn't need to be a starter, you know, to make an impact. He has shown that before. So I think the Smoot signing was smart, but I still think, I mean, you need to do something else. Because, again, he's going to miss until at least sometime in October. What's it going to look like when he gets back? That's the big question. Like, you know where he can line up. You know what he brings when he's healthy. But how he plays and how impactful he is as a pass rusher when he returns from his layoff is a big question. And that's why I think they still need to go sign another veteran pass rusher. And then I think you can feel a little more comfortable with your pass rush unit. But it definitely seems like that they're higher on Caleb on chase on and George Smith and others. Uh, you see Abdullah is somebody they're really interested in. So, you know, right now it, it would not surprise me if Smoot is the pass, the pass rusher that they signed this offseason. If yeah, he's really the only one, which does admittedly feel <laughs> a little wild when you consider the fact that, you know, losing Arden Key and then Smoot's own injury that I, all the edge work that they did during the draft, you know, they had top 30 visits with double digit edge defenders. I was shocked that they didn't address that until middle of day three, but you know, here we are and it has brought Smoot back to Jacksonville, which is a good thing for the Jaguars. It's a good thing for Smoot. It's just, you know, up in the air on what it can really mean you know, for the Jaguars pass rush because it's still a question mark of exactly what he will bring. So, you know, that is our thoughts on Smoot. Uh, we're going to talk to our sponsors one more time, and then we will be right back. Thank you. So here to finish out the show, you know, a couple other, you know, little Jaguars tidbits. Uh, we took we took a tour of the Miller Electric Center along with other local media uh, city officials, football staffers on Tuesday, and it is phenomenal. I don't think I even said that right, but it, it's absolutely terrific. I, there's nothing negative I can say about it other than you know, e- e- even any you know, things that you can nitpick, like maybe the player's lounge a bit small. It's still a significant upgrade to what the Jaguars had last season. Like Basically, they're Top amenity last season was the ping pong table in the middle of their locker room. So they definitely made much needed upgrades. I I think that overall the upgrades will make the team significantly, you know, better on and off the field. I think that it's something the Jaguars needed to do to take that next step into you know relevancy like they did it last year on the field and i think this is kind of that version off the field uh you know of what they did last year you know i i I think that 
this is a move that, you know, really shows that the Jaguars are committed off the field to winning. That, in my opinion, shows that they're committed to winning inside Jacksonville. So I think that it was, you know, a home run by the Jaguars. I think that they, you know, what's amazing is that it was something that came to life so perfectly with what its designs were. You know, like when they threw out the designs, it was like, wow, you know, that looks great. But we've seen renderings before where the final picture, final product didn't look anything like that. And that wasn't the case here. It looks fantastic. It looks just like it was designed. And I think players are going to absolutely love it. I think any outside players who see it, that it can be a big swing for them, you know, in terms of free agency and just courting people. So, I think the Jaguars will see an upgrade in the NFL PA report cards a year from now. And, you know, credit given where credit is due, the one of the few things Urban Meyer did right in Jacksonville was basically put his foot down and said, these facilities are sub subpar, substandard. You, we need to make a major investment. And he was looking at it from the eyes of a college coach where, you know, they really were having arms races for facilities in years past. But he was right. The Jaguars facilities had to be upgraded, and they were. So I think it was a smart bet of Jaguars, and I think it worked out perfectly. And our final note before we go is there was a report yesterday from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler that the Jaguars and Bears have inquired about free agent cornerback Arthur Mullet. And I think it's interesting because he's a pure slot type. You know, like he really only played in the nickel for Pittsburgh. You know, he can blitz, he can play to run, he has some ball skills. I think he's an interesting potential veteran addition because, I mean, the only guy who's really set the challenge Herndon, you know, Trey Herndon at the nickel spot right now are either late day three rookie corners or late day three picks from a year ago, like Gregory Jr. and Montark Brown. You know, you obviously have Eric Hallett, Christian Braswell, who can maybe push him, maybe Antonio Johnson in certain you know, packages, I think, especially when you see teams try to flex out tight ends, that you might see Johnson some. So it definitely, to me, would be an interesting signing. You know, the only veteran backups they have, you know, Devon Campbell and Chris Claybrooks, nothing to really, you know, sneeze at, especially a slot option. So I do think this would be a smart signing by the Jaguars. Yeah. It, it, also, though, I think people need to accept the, you know, inevi- inevitability that is Trey Harden, you know, if, He's healthy. The football staff's going to like him. I mean, he, he, literally every staff I've ever covered, you know, you know, Doug Marone's staff, Urban Meyer's staff, now Doug Peterson's staff, three different head coaches, three different coordinators, three different position coaches. They all love this dude for a reason. You know, they, they all really do. So I think that there's a reason that he's still there, but I do think Malay would be a interesting potential signing. So, that is all we have for you this week. We will be back with my co-host, Gus Logue. You know, sometime during training camp, we'll be back, you know, to recap the first couple of days of training camp. But thank you for joining us for the 46th episode of the Jaguar Report podcast. I am John Shipley. Thank you for hanging out with me, and we will see you guys next time.